I often, in this setting, uh, end up in one way or another talking about what I refer to as the attributes or qualities of essence, our inner being. So at any given moment, on any given Sunday or in other forms of work that we do, we might spontaneously find ourselves talking about joy or presence or peace. Um, You know, there's so many different subjects, so many different qualities and attributes to refer to when we speak to our inner being. And one of the things that becomes clear through experience is that when I'm in connection to some quality or attribute of my essence, in a way it connects me to the other qualities and attributes of essence. So that is to say that when I'm in touch with joy, I will also feel that joy feels peaceful, right? And that joy will also have a quality of strength or power to it, or you know, on and on it goes. That any time that we begin to experience some quality or attribute of our essence, we will simultaneously start to feel other qualities or attributes within that quality. That's one way in which we're able to distinguish the difference between uh, a temporary sort of ego experience and an experience of essence. That a temporary experience of ego will remain somewhat one-dimensional in that uh, if you're having an experience of joy at the ego level, it won't also have within it the experience of peace and strength and uh, so on and so forth. Right? So one of the ways that we know essential experience is, one, that when an experience of essence is happening, it sort of happens in an uncaused way, meaning that there wasn't a reason outside of you for why you're feeling the way you're feeling or what you're experiencing, and that it's multidimensional. That if it's joy, it's also peace, and it's also strength, and it's also, you know, on and on. I don't want to... Get, make this too complicated by talking about too many different qualities of essence, but you get the idea, right? The importance of this is that with what we were practicing in our meditation, that if we allow ourselves to stay with the thrust of our experience, I'm calling it today a thrust. I also use the image of a a rope leading into darkness, right? Darkness in the image is simply what lies in front of you that you don't know yet. It's simply what you can't see from where you're at, you know? And the rope you can see, you can feel, you can feel it in your hands because the rope is our actual right here, right now experience, right? What we don't usually do is we don't usually follow it. We touch on it, you know, we might touch that rope at times, but then we quickly go off and check out something else and we'll come back and we'll touch the rope and we'll go check out something else. And a lot of people have this experience of presence, or often it's experienced in meditation, of leaving the rope, coming back to the rope, leaving the rope, coming back to the rope, leaving, coming, leaving, coming. And people tend to experience that as a kind of, I'm in touch with my being, I'm not in touch with my being. I'm in touch with my being, I'm not in touch with my being. And that is one aspect of practice. But there's another aspect of practice when you realize that you're always in touch with being, that you really can't not be in touch with being, it's literally impossible. If you weren't in touch with being, you wouldn't exist. Your very existence is being, right? 
So with that being said, there's this possibility then to follow the actual thread of your experience into its unknown destination. And the beauty of this practice is that if we actually can learn to do that, if we can learn to stay with the, our experience in a very clean, precise way, that just by following the thread of your experience, you will be led into some quality of essence. Meaning that if you follow your experience cleanly enough without interfering with it, without trying to force it in some way, without trying to manipulate it in some way, without trying to get it to be different in some way, that if you just follow with a kind of trusting attitude, the direct experience that you're having as it continues to unfold and change, which it will, that you will, be, you will sort of just stumble right into some quality of your essence. But that's a very careful practice because it involves being with experiences that are not only uh, sometimes confusing or disorienting, sometimes unpredictable, sometimes uh, so wildly uncertain or so wildly um, not what you expect that it takes a certain kind of diligence or, or vigilance to stay with it when it's not what you're hoping it will be, not what you think it should be or could be. Right? If I tell you to stay with the thrust of your experience and the immediate thrust of your experience is boredom, you're going to have every inclination to not want to stay with your experience because the ego will draw us into some form of entertainment. Right? So it will be easier for me on one level to entertain myself by thinking than to stay with this experience of boredom. But if I stay with this experience of boredom, that experience of boredom is actually going to evolve. It's going to become a new experience if I stay with it. Who knows what that may be? I, I won't even venture a guess. I won't want to plant any seeds about what could be experienced. But we start to see that boredom, if we stay with it, as the thrust of our experience, changes into something else. And that something else, if we stay with it, starts to turn into something else. And that, if we stay with it, starts to turn into something else. And on and on it goes as we just unfold right into some quality or attribute of our inner being. Right? It takes an incredible amount of trust to do this because we are by and large programmed and designed, uh, you could say even biologically, to not stay with the thrust of our experience, to betray the thrust of our experience or to leave or compromise or sabotage the thrust of our experience by interfering with it. You know? We all tend to have, like for example, uh, I might very well accept that I can naturally, uh, by following the thrust of my experience, move into some quality or attribute of my inner being, but I might have a specific desire for what that quality is. I might be specific that I want to experience joy. But in the unfolding of my experience, I might actually be uh, unfolding into the experience of peace. So what I end up finding out is that if I'm trying to unfold toward joy, and my experience is trying to unfold toward peace, there's a disruption in my being. And this is a really good, this is a very good, um, uh, one of the ways to easily understand this is if we look at depression. From the state of depression, a person will often seek happiness because depression seems like the absence of happiness or the absence of fulfillment. But if a person who was experiencing depression 
began to follow the thread of their direct immediate experience, it might start to lead them in toward peace. But peace, you see, is going to feel very quiet. It's going to feel very simple. It's going to be very uncomplicated. And one's version of happiness or fulfillment might have all sorts of color in it, might have stars and fireworks and other things in it. So a person who is staying with the thrust of their depression might start to see their experience moving toward peace and reject that experience because what they really want to create is joy. And you can see it's at that road where we diverge from the actuality of our experience and it's where we block the unfolding of what's possible for us by trying to control where we end up. Right? And we're not talking about anything in the external environment at all here. Simply being with one's inner experience, being with what the process or unfolding that goes on within oneself. Right? And there's all sorts of other ways that we complicate this process. Sometimes, for certain individuals, we turn it into an overly emotional process. Like we, we think we just have to process all of our emotions. And that's not quite what we're talking about either. Because you might come to a place inside yourself where there's literally no emotion happening. And if you come to that thinking that you're processing an emotional experience, you'll suddenly feel like, well, it's not working now. I don't feel any emotion, you know? So we'll quickly interpret our experience as somehow off or wrong because it's not following what we expect it to be. But if we can navigate these pitfalls that I'm describing, if we can see them for what they are, ways of trying to manipulate or control or direct our experience, and simply uh, put those aside long enough to stay with the immediate thread of what's happening, what starts to happen is an unfolding. And we start to see what I referred to at the end of meditation, uh, an intelligent design where our experience is actually leading us right to where we want to go if we follow it. And that that literally requires no work or effort on our part to bring it about. I call it intelligent, uh, and this is the piece we left off with a little bit last week, is that the intelligence that exists within us is guiding our attention. The problem is, for us typically, is that it's guiding our attention in a way we don't want it to. So instead of surrendering or following this guidance of our attention and awareness, we start trying to control it. And what happens then is a kind of tension is created in our being. You know? it's, it's basically a way of saying uh, to this intelligent life force that exists in you, I know better than you do. I know better where I need to go than you do, so I'm going to lead the way, you know? But this is like someone, this is like flying down to LA, if you've never been there before, visiting your friend who's lived in LA their whole life and saying, you know what, let me drive, I know where I'm going and you don't. You know what I mean? That's, that's what we get involved with, is we think we know better than the direct, immediate flow of our experience. When we realize we don't, and that the direct, immediate flow of our experience actually can lead us somewhere, then we're interested in following this thread. You realize it's a thread you're not in control of, but you're also not powerless in the situation. It's not like you're just helpless. You, know? you realize that your interest or your curiosity or your willingness becomes a tremendous power 
to follow that unfolding wherever it leads. So you're not at all a victim. You're not at all passive. You're not at all just sitting back while existence does this thing to you or for you. Uh, you are actively participating by your willingness, interest, and engagement. And that's what makes following the unfolding of our experience so exciting. Because you, you are an active participant. You're not in control of it, but you are an active participant in it. And from that we begin to realize these many dimensions or uh, attributes of our true nature. That if you... Uh, and often... What makes this so difficult for most individuals is that the way that you, and I've spoken about this a lot, but it deserves to be said a few hundred thousand times more. If you follow your experience, if you're wanting joy, the most likely place to start looking for joy is in the absence of it. If you want fulfillment, the most likely place to begin looking for it is in the absence of it. And that goes for any of the attributes of our essence. Those will be the things that arise as the organic unfolding of your experience. That's not to say that existence wishes you pain or difficulty, but it will say to you, existence knows what you want before you do, right? There's a biblical statement about that, isn't there? About uh, before you even ask, it is given, something like that. Before you ask, it is given. Existence knows what it is you want. And it's always trying to bring you that, bring you to that, let's say. So there's a vast conspiracy for you, not against you. There's a vast conspiracy of existence for you. What we don't see is that by trying to control our experience in a certain way, we don't let that conspiracy do its work. We interfere with it. You know, we try to overcome it. So you've not only gone down to L.A. to visit your friend who knows all of LA and said to them, I know better than you do, I'm going to drive. But you've also said, I want to go to this specific place, which they know exactly where it's at. And you're just, we're just aimlessly wandering about thinking, I'll find my way there. And eventually you will. With long enough period of time, you will eventually find your way to that place you want to be. But it could take a very, 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 very long time. Or you'll die. (laughs) You might die along the way. You never reach your destination. Although you will reach your destination when you die. (laughs) So this is a long way of really saying that if we can simply trust in the unfolding of our experience, it is leading us, it is bringing us to where we want to be. Maybe not in the way we think it should happen. Maybe not in the way that we would imagine that's going to happen at all. It may feel wildly like we're being uh, directed in the wrong way, the wrong direction, you know? But if we can continue to sustain trust that by staying with the immediacy of the unfolding of my experience, it is going to deepen right into something I want very badly. Then there's something uh, very mature happening within us. And slowly and gradually through that practice of staying with our experience, we are brought to all of the essential qualities of our being. One by one, they're all realized. And as each of them are realized, I realize joy exists within me. In fact, is who I am. Love is who I am. Courage exists as who I am. 
all of these facets and attributes that we speak of so freely, they are all belonging to an inner core that our attention is always driving us toward. So we're simply letting that happen. And this is a very powerful way to approach meditation practice. As opposed to trying to sit and be quiet and sort of create a state of peace or, or ease or simplicity. That's all very good. I'm not denying that that's a very useful practice. But the practice uh, of staying with our experience develops a depth to it that is sometimes missed when we're just watching our breathing. Nothing wrong with watching our breathing. It's a beautiful practice. It's better to watch your breathing than to be imagining a bunch of stuff. But it's a deeper practice to stay with the thrust of our experience, to encounter the emotions, the energies, the sensations in the body as we're staying with our present moment experience. 